0: Folks, it's part six of how to be a whole person, and this one is called Boundaries. And I'm really excited about this one. If you've been following the first four episodes, you know that they were all about connecting to ourselves and exploring that which is deep within our own self, exploring our emotions and our anger and using words to express what's going on. And then episode five, I sort of turned it around and said, you know, all of that is leading to a purpose and our purpose is bigger than just ourselves. It's the world around us. We have a mission and we have people that we need to serve and we need to be givers who connect to the world around us and if we're going to do that we have to know our boundaries. How do we know when to say yes and when to say no and who to let in and who to to, to refuse to let come in? How do we know how to navigate this really complex life with hundreds of decisions to make every week. And so I want to talk about that today. This concept is huge. It's popularized by a book about 10 or 12 years ago by doctors Cloud and Townsend. Uh, named Boundaries. It's a really good book. You could check it out. But there's also been a lot of other things written on it. It's been pretty popular in our culture because the metaphor just flat works for me. And I have really started to see all of my life under this sort of umbrella of boundaries. So it goes from everything such as Requests for my time and requests for my money and energy to how close I let people get, to what information I give out to certain people, to whose voice I listen to, to what kind of Christmas presents I give to my kids, to who I follow on Twitter, to who I lead and who I let have some of my energy and instruction and mentorship to what I read, to what what I allow on my TV, to how I spend my money. Now, there are lots of problems with boundaries in our culture, okay? So I want to give you a couple of problems, and then I want to talk about types of boundaries, and then I want to give you a quick history of boundaries, and then talk about how to navigate boundaries, and then I want to close talking about something about our... Cells and our DNA and our identity, so here we go. a couple of problems that we have with boundaries in our culture and this is why this is why i 'm doing this episode because this is huge around us. I see it around us all the time. Healthy boundaries can cost us healthy boundaries we, we live in a world where like They can cost us networking opportunities with friends, people in power. Healthy boundaries cost us from being able to pursue things that we might want to pursue in a selfish way, but we need to not pursue. Healthy boundaries can cost us a promotion at work. And often people are disallowed from having healthy boundaries by their work or by some place or organization that they're a part of. And oftentimes we promote people who have the weakest boundaries. So like, maybe your boss or Somebody in charge is there because, precisely because they sold their soul to the company and they allow that to take advantage of them and they worked 80 hours a week. And so everybody said, oh, well, that's a great employee. And so we just promoted the person who, who could have been the worst example of boundaries in the whole place. And they expect us in turn to get them and to sort of live the same way that they do. And we're like, oh, I don't know if that's healthy or not. So another problem boundaries have been blurred so technology has connected us like never before but you know what i'm about to say here that cell phone that you that you thought was awesome back in 2006 well now you know it's like a chain that connects you when you're sitting on the beach to all of the worries back home and you just can't seem to get away from it sometimes Another problem that we have with boundaries, specifically if you are people who are not in power, a lot of times organizations and corporations who are in power, who have the law on their side, often encroach and take advantage of us and we find ourselves in this place where we feel like we may be helpless To actually having boundaries so it could be anything from your insurance company who refuses to file a claim because this certain specific rule wasn't met or whatever it could be all the way up to how you're getting paid at work or whatever the issue is but oftentimes these really big companies or places that we deal and do business with they're extremely inflexible I mean customer service on the cable company (laughs) you know where I'm going with that okay So like, there are these rules, and they always are going to stick to their guns, and it leaves you, if there's any conflict whatsoever, you're going, well, I guess I'm going to be the one that has to give in, right? You know what I'm talking about there? Now, I am a a Christian and uh, part of the church culture. And I found that the church is often a breeding ground for people without boundaries because we were told that Jesus sacrificed it all and Jesus gave everything and so should we. And we often have just succumbed to being yes people who say yes to everything, don't know how to say no to anything, and it's running us ragged. I had a student that came in the other day with a long sleeve shirt on that just said nope, real big across the front and it had like all the way down the sleeves and all around the collar and everything is the little word nope, 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 nope (laughs) and I told her, I really like, I need that shirt today because I get asked 42 times a day if somebody can go to the bathroom and I have these little ankle biters just sucking the life out of me all day long some days you know, like, I just need to say no, 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 and, and And sometimes I can even get caught in the pattern of saying that, and then I'll just open the door when somebody comes to my door trying to sell me something and say, hi, no, sorry, we're not interested. Shut the door, and I don't even listen. And I don't want to be that person, but sometimes we live in a culture that just asks for more and more and more. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Some days you just need to say no and you feel like you're in a place where it's almost impossible to say no even though that's what your soul needs the most and you can be driven by guilt and all sorts of other things but then there's also those times where like i get an invitation to go see a lifelong best friend in another state and the opportunity is so rare but it means i'm going to have to take off of work and i can't do that see because we have this meeting happening that day and those reports won't get done you ever get in that caught in that moment where it's almost impossible to say yes but that's what your soul needs the most Life demands that we say yes to the right things and say no to the right things. But how do we do that? So I want to talk today about how to let our yes be yes and our no be no and how to enforce those in a a way that makes us more whole and complete and actually adds value to the world around us. And I want to talk to you from the experience of a recovering addict, not somebody who has like mastered this, but somebody who is still having boundary issues and I'm still in recovery. This is huge and it's more than just head knowledge that's going to get us there. So I'm going to go through number one. I want to talk about two nomads named Tim and Earl and just a brief history of boundaries. And then number two, talk about the types of boundaries so that you can see how your financial budget is connected to that awkward political statement your uncle said at Thanksgiving. And then number three, I want to talk about um, how to, just a couple of words of advice for how to actually enforce boundaries in your life. And then I want to tie it up with a statement about identity and your DNA. Okay, so here we go. Uh, History of boundaries. Uh, There were two nomads on the plains named tim and earl because uh, they were on the plains in east texas i guess they set up sticks one day and tim said you can have that side and i can have this side See, they had like a boundary crossing issue where they weren't sure whose land was what and they just decided to put a stick in the ground and say you take that i'll take this in the first boundary was created now why did they do that because they saw some neighbors over there who had killed one another and one of them threw a spear through the other and then sliced off his head and they thought you know like this would be a better way to figure out who gets what if we could just share and you can have that and i'll take this so today you have a house and a car and maybe a family you have some possessions that are yours and that's your territory, your piece of planet Earth. And I'm going to suggest to you today, while there's all this talk about what we don't need and how we should give more and more, that you need something that is your domain. And if you don't have that, you need to mark it off and have that. Because what drives us is a sense of purpose combined with some sort of power to execute that. Now, I'm going to leave that very ambiguous for for a reason, because there's all sorts of ways you can take that. But you do have to have something in life to work with. You have expectations and realistic parameters for your life. Now, the more humans we've had that interacted together, the more we've moved to cities. There are 7.5 billion of us now The more boundaries we have to establish in every way. So, the movement from living in the wild to living in civilization is a movement of establishing boundaries so that we can thrive and do our part in the world that we live in. So every decision that we make in the everyday can be seen as a boundary decision, all right? So there's all these different types of boundaries. So I mentioned property lines, okay? There are physical boundaries such as walls. I'm sitting in a room right now and I have a wall on purpose around me because I don't want my little chitlins running here and screaming, not because you would care, but because I would be really distracted by that while I'm trying to think about boundaries. I have neighbors, and there's a privacy fence there, and while it would be cool to take the privacy fence down, we could all just see each other and have a good time, sometimes you have to have a little privacy. There's a wall beside the highway that just separates the highway and the noise from the neighborhood next to us. At my workplace, there is a... a, A security door that you have to go through if you are not of a certain security clearance. And then there are fences around our property. Who we let into our house. Those are physical boundaries. Now physical boundaries were the first boundaries to develop because they are the outermost. They are an outgrowth of inner boundaries. You know the more complex society and civilization got the more our inner boundaries became important too. So in the Bible, there was a temple complex with a courtyard for everyone in Jerusalem, and there was this fence called the Soreg that you could come through only if you were a ritually clean Jew, yet have security clearance. And then there was this court of women inside of there, And you could go in a little further if you were a woman. And then there was the Hall of Israel where only the clean men could go. And then inside that, the Hall of Priests, where the priests could go. And inside that, the holy place and the most holy place. Now, whether you like it or not, regardless of your theology and your background with religion or not, you are a similar setup. You have to create concentric circles of your life as to who you let in closer all right, so we have, um, we have balance that we have to have in life. So there's a work-play balance. I tell my kids all the time, we are in the classroom. You don't do that out here. But if we're out at recess and the kids are like reading the whole time and stuff, I say, get up and go play with friends because you need to do certain things in certain places and then other things in other places. There are boundaries that you have to create, and we're trying to help them create a healthy life. One of those is your work and rest. Do you take a Sabbath day? Is there a day that you say, you know what, this day is protected? Do you take holidays? The sun comes up, the sun goes down. Do you really enforce the boundaries when the sun comes up? I'm going to actually be up and, um, and moving around and doing the things that I do during the day and working or playing or whatever. And then when the sun goes down, hey, it's time to start getting ready for bed. Or do you stay up all night? Um, holidays. Do you actually take a full holiday off? Like There are all of these balance issues and we have to be able to create lines in the sand to say, you know what, when I'm here, I'm here. And when I'm over there, I'm over there. And wherever I go, I'm going to be fully present in the moment. You have financial boundaries, all right? That's what a budget is. You have to say yes to some things. You have to keep yourself within those boundaries. You want to say yes to certain things that are really important to you and then say no to some wasteful expenditures or some things that maybe you just shouldn't be spending your money on. We have mental boundaries. This often looks like a filter. Like how many ads have you had to filter out of your brain on your phone? That takes energy to do, by the way. You filter your your mail. We filter out 1,000 ads a day. We filter out all the garbage that's getting in our way. And then anyone with weak boundaries is going to get taken advantage of by all of that stuff. And that's why it exists. So we have mental boundaries that we just have to block out so many things in the world and allow some things to get our attention. We have emotional boundaries. I don't want to get too close or too attached to some people or some things because they don't deserve my affection. Or maybe uh, maybe that's not a good way to say it, but maybe I just shouldn't give them my affection because I don't need to. I can't let my entire life be consumed by sports teams I do need to keep a date night open for my marriage. I do need to keep going to religious services to keep me grounded. I do need to spend playtime with my kids. The TV that we let in our eyes and the websites and the apps that we allow to suck up our attention and the ads that we click on and Netflix that we binge on, all of that needs to be regulated because that has a huge impact on our emotions and what we're thinking. We have relational boundaries. We want the people closest to us to get the best of us. I refuse to say yes to having a one-on-one meal with another woman who's not my relative or my wife. That's a personal boundary of me. I don't let the pizza guy in my house, but I do let my best friend in. And I let my wife in the bed with me. Right. And everywhere in between, we have to set boundaries and it can be hard. Uh, Remember Tim and Earl, whenever they first set up the sticks, there isn't always a place where, you know, the answer. As a matter of fact, there's never a place where, you know, this is where the boundary is going to be. So all boundaries are a little bit arbitrary. You just have to make up something and say, this is it. This is where it's going to be. Even though there's not a 100% guarantee that I'm right about it, I want to be healthy. All right, so I want to give you some practical advice uh, that will be much easier said than done, but then steer you towards uh, where you might be able to look to in order to get strength to actually do them. So a couple of words of practical advice. Uh, Number one, enforce your boundaries with connecting words. Now, I talked about this a little bit in the first episode, so I'm not going to do too much here. But let's say somebody takes advantage of you. How do you feel? You feel mad? You will avoid that situation again, won't you? Like your fear or your sadness or your anger will often keep you from engaging in that situation again in and it's so easy to spiral into some sort of passiveness or aggressiveness or passive aggressiveness, it's amazing what we often avoid or condemn because we were afraid to use words when we should have used words. People might say, I hate my job. <laughs> you, you hate your entire job? Why is that? I can't stand that church. Like really, you you can't stand an entire church that has maybe a thousand people in it i don't like that town really a town you you, you hate all ten thousand people in that town right you will generalize so much you might even say like generalize with a person that person annoys me and beneath that Beneath any of that, there was an actual thing that happened usually on the scale of two to four times before you decided you didn't like it. Three is like a magic number for your brain. When something's happened three times, you and all your efficiency, your brain decides that, hey, that's the way it's going to be, even if the thing that happened was you didn't speak up for yourself. So maybe your boundaries were violated or maybe someone hurt your feelings and you didn't speak up three times and then you decided, nope, never again, and you put a label on that thing. You put a label on that church. You put a label on that job, on that person, because two, three, four times in a row, you didn't speak up for yourself and use words and all you really had to do was say, I don't like that, or all you had to do was draw some sort of line in the sand and say, no, 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 you're not going there, and just man up. So on a daily basis, when my students come up to me and they whine that something, somebody said something mean or did something mean, I, I always, I ask, okay, so what did you do? Uh, and you can tell the kids that don't know me very well, it surprises them a little bit. They're like, they're expecting me to take sides on something. Like, she hit me, she, he, he elbowed me, he did this. And I say, okay, so, so what did you do? And then we walk through it. Did you tell them to stop and, did, and that you didn't like that? And what I get from the students is fascinating because they almost always say, yeah, I did tell them. And then when I investigate further, I often find out that they may have told them, but they didn't tell the person. I, I say this because you're a grown kid and I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you tell people or do you tell people? I say, all right, now turn and look at them, okay? Practice like this. Square your shoulders towards me. Look me straight in the eyes. Don't. There's a huge difference between saying, stop in, I don't like that, and you talked in your nose and you sounded really, really weak and you sounded like you were afraid. You should have just stood there face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, and say, Stop it. I don't like it when you do that. (laughs) And it's amazing how often we as adults can't stand there and look someone in the eyes and say, I'm not going to put up with that. I don't like it when you do that. You remember Tim and Earl out on the prairie? Well, they decided that words were better... And more civil than killing each other. And today I'm here to tell you that words are still the best option to use to navigate relationships. You don't have to fight someone. You don't have to hide from someone. You don't have to gossip about someone. You don't have to turn and go and hide and then sort of lob this aggravated comment back at them. You don't have to avoid them. You can stand on your own two feet and look them in the eyes and say, Stop it. I don't like that. You can look somebody in the eyes and say, No. I mean, think about it. Like, other people, I'm amazed that, like, through the years, like, um, how many times, like, dozens of times. That I've talked to people or asked people, you know, hey, did you want to get together? And they probably didn't like me that much. <laughs> and they probably just wanted to say no, and it really wouldn't have hurt my feelings, like at all. If you just said no, no, that's okay. They're you know, like, I can deal with that. But people want to be nice, and they just say, they just say, yeah, 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 let's get together sometime, or yeah, yeah, let's let's do that thing that you're talking about. And then you don't hear from them, and then they stop like answering your your calls or whatever, and you're like, what's going on there? It's like, could you just tell me, just use words, just tell me, it would be okay. And it would be okay, more okay than you think if you used words and stood up and looked people in the eyes and told them. Think about how much human energy is wasted because we avoid using the right words. Court battles, laws, corporate policies, corporate policy trainings, corporate policy tests over the trainings that we took HR people who filed documents showing you that you passed the corporate policy test over the corporate policy training mortgages. Oh my goodness. Like how many hundreds of man hours and thousands of dollars were spent on your mortgage just because people haven't let their yes be yes and their no be no and enforced boundaries. And we go, no, we don't want to do that. So we'll just sign paper, sign here, sign here, sign here. How many thousands of dollars are spent propping up and protecting arrangements that ensure that two people don't have to deal with each other because they didn't use words to establish boundaries and something went wrong and we have to make sure it can't happen again, and so we use legal means. When we fail to say very simple but difficult words to correct someone or to the correct person, the person who is the hardest to say those words to, we can spiral into all kinds of wasted energy because we were just avoiding the words. I don't like that. I need you to do this. I feel this way. I need... Now, notice, I'm not judging. There is no analyzing You can stop short of fixing them or controlling them or manipulating them or telling them how the whole situation plays out and how you know it all. You speak up for you. I don't like that. I do like this. I wish you would do this. I really love it when you do this. I don't like that. I feel mad when you do that. You don't have to fix everybody else. You don't have to control everybody else. And if you find yourself standing up and saying the powerful words of connection between yourself and that other person to establish a boundary that they can't cross anymore, you will find yourself amazingly empowered. Now, advice number two. I want to uh, suggest that we should set the right boundaries with the right people, okay? So often people get really upset about not having boundaries in one relationship, so they get frustrated and they really thicken and enforce boundaries with a different relationship. Like they know that they got Taken over here and they're really mad about getting taken by that place. And so they get really upset and they go, you know, well, I'm gonna be tough, and they go in and they're tough to the wrong person. Set the right boundaries with the right people. So like maybe work is taken advantage of you and you don't want to speak up to your boss because you're afraid. And so you take it out by making very well sure that you don't let your wife violate your boundaries because you're tired of having your boundaries violated. Or maybe that crazy uncle at Thanksgiving dinner goes Fox News on you and, and you, can't, you just can't even. And so instead of speaking up for yourself there, you take it out on your kids by making sure that they know how crazy he is. And you make sure that everybody in the world knows how wrong that thing is that he said, except for your uncle. <laughs> A healthy person allows the most flexibility in their boundaries with the people closest to them and has the most rigidity with the people farthest from them. So our world often turns that on our head because we're afraid of the people who know us the least because they're most likely to slander us when we leave the room. And so we, we spend all this time and energy trying to impress them and making sure that they have a healthy opinion of us because we don't want them to go out there and do something that they might do because they don't know us very well. But if you're a healthy person, you can, you can survive that. Don't sacrifice, oh my goodness, this one's huge, don't sacrifice the relationships that you have with the people closest to you who matter the most to try to win approval with the people who matter the least. Set the right boundaries with the right people. Don't take it out on someone else if they didn't do it. If this keeps happening, I'm going to have to do XYZ for my own sanity. Now be be careful here. Like this cannot be a threat or are uh, used for your own manipulation. Like you just need to be able to tell somebody sometimes I, you just can't go there. I have to have my own sanity. And if that sounds arrogant to you, then maybe you should just try it out and find out what happens just once or twice. Just try it out. Speak up for yourselves and don't let the people on the very, very outside have that part of you that they're trying to take. Some of you right now are maybe thinking about closer relatives that have taken advantage of you over and over and over again. And you do care about that relationship, but you know it can't exist like that forever. You still have a soul that you have to maintain. So be very, very careful about pinning blame on them and pulling it into this level with the people closest to you. Because here's the deal. If you don't have plenty of margin for flexibility in your inner circles of friends, it's likely that your real boundary problems stem outside of that. If you don't have margin for the people closest to you, you've probably had that margin robbed by people and entities that are further out. Like, is it really an issue that your wife spends a hundred bucks at the mall? Let's talk about your overall budget and maybe that $300 a month on cable TV, or maybe your underpaying job that you keep working because you feel like you should, right? Like, is it really an issue that your husband watches football for three hours a weekend? Let's just talk about your work schedule that made that three hours a weekend a deal breaker in the first place. Protect the relationships that matter the most by first enforcing the boundaries with the places that matter the least. So use words to protect your boundaries and set the right boundaries with the right people. Jesus of Nazareth. Whether you're religious or not, Jesus is a great example of somebody who had an incredibly healthy view of boundaries. There were times when he stood up against religious rulers and power brokers and people who were the people who were doing the oppressing. And then there were times When he let people chase him down out in the country, and he gave in to them, and he healed them, and he said yes. And then there were times when he said, I'm done, and I need a break. And he left, and he went to lonely places, and he prayed, and he restored himself. He had a close circle of friends that he shared everything with, and then another circle that was a little bit bigger that he shared a little less with. And then he had an outer circle around there. You know, he used words to enforce his boundaries. Um, He he said this once uh, famous phrase that we've actually used in in the opposite way of what he meant it. He said, if someone hits you on one cheek, turn to him the other one, which sounds like somebody who really lacks boundaries. I just get just walked on all day long. Just somebody hit me back and forth. But in reality, what Jesus was saying, if somebody hits you, if somebody is trying to demean you, if someone's trying to smack you around, you stand up, look them in the eye and say, I'm human, do you want to keep abusing me? Somebody who stands in the moment, that was who Jesus was. And so this all comes down to this question, and here's where I'm going with this. Number four, where should I set boundaries? Now, if you're ever going to know where to set your boundaries, then you have to have a mission. So, in the vein of Jesus, Jesus did give it all. He did eventually allow people to take his entire life and everything he had. He he did, but he could, and he did it without passive-aggressive frustration and anger because he knew the mission he was giving his life to. He was He was going in to destroy the temple in Jerusalem. He was going to take down that religious complex there in Jerusalem. Now, the best of people eventually do give their entire life to their mission. Like, we don't protect everything forever because we're here to pour out our lives. And that's not the question. But when we know our mission... Then we can know what to say yes to and what to say no to. When you know your mission, it changes everything because everything can be seen in the light of that. No, I have to say no to this because there's something more important there. I have to say yes to this because this is right in line with where I'm going. And yes, I am going to eventually pour out my entire life for the betterment of planet Earth But I can't pour out my life to that thing that's distracted me from my mission. I can't pour out my life from that thing that's distracted me from the purpose that I was designed to live into. If it's not part of that, it has to go, right? Now, that brings the question up this. How do I know my mission? (laughs) How do I know that? Like, I just make it up? Do I just say, well, I feel called to do this? Listen, if you're ever going to have a mission, then you have to have An identity. Your identity drives everything about your mission. Your mission is an outgrowth of that thing you're here to protect. Your identity. Now, your identity, here's the thing about it. How do we know our identity? Do we have a lot of discussion about what's our identity today? Oh my goodness here's the thing about your identity. Your identity is given. Here's the backwards thing about it. The world tells us that we will know who we are and what we're looking for when we discover who we are and what we're looking for. (laughs) You ever hear that? Like If you'll just discover who you are and discover what it is that you're looking for, then you'll know who we are. We live in a false narrative in our culture that says so much of us um, is this this little mysterious spark inside of us called desire? And like we don't know where our desires come from us uh, come from. So it's just that must be our calling. And we have this little gem inside of each one of us. And our our goal in life is to sort of discover that little gem. And so many of us, myself included, has spent so much time searching for our calling. We're told that we're supposed to. Uh, raise our kids without telling them what to do because they have this little thing inside of their hearts, and then one day that's just going to come out. But is that really working? Like, we treat our kids like little sea monkeys. Like, you just put them in water and then you just stand back, but you don't want to interrupt what they're doing. You just, one day they're just going to pop up and they're going to be like, oh, I want to be a veterinarian one day. Like, only the communists and the Buddhists force their kids to do stuff, right? <laughs> our identity in reality. Is spoken into us by other people. That's how we get our identity. We, we've got a whole nation full of people who've taken 96 different personality inventories and they've changed their college majors five times and they still have no clue what they want to do when they're 40 because they're listening to all of these other voices besides the people around them. And we've been told, don't ever speak words of blessing in life. That sounds like you're trying to control somebody else and we don't want to control somebody else. We have a culture who is swiping left on 552 different people and finally later after 17 different attempts at dating they finally settle on the one that they love and then they break up a year later. We have an entire culture who has nutrition labels on everything and yet we're more obese than ever. We know the facts but it's not actually helping us live our life because we don't need more information. We need more identity and your identity comes from the people around you your identity comes from your past it's not in your future see you're never going to know your future but you can know the direction your life is pointing if you'll just look at the past every one of us has a name such a holy gift your parents gave you a name. Have you ever thought about the spiritual, deeper implications of the fact that your parents named you? I mean, they were probably just standing there in the hospital that day, or they read a baby book or something. And they're like, eh, let's go, Joe. That <laughs> they gave it to you. You cannot bypass your biological parents or the family that raised you. Like you may not like your name, but it's yours. It's yours. Now, I want to I want to promise you something. You can find beauty and strength and wonder and awe in your story if you'll just look back. And you'll look back and find the ways that all of the things in your life have shaped you to be the person you are. Many of us are running from our past like the plague. Like, how often do you just sit and look at old pictures? Like, how often do you talk about stories of your childhood? Uh, A favorite author of mine describes how he sets up his house and his workplace to reflect and give him reminders of all of the events and the people that have been a part of his story. So he might have like that special guitar that was his granddad's hanging on the wall or that model car that he built with his dad or that painting that meant so much to him or a picture from that time on that camping trip that he just thought was so holy just everywhere around his house to remind him of his past and of where he's come from and of all the people that have shaped him to become the person he is today because you know is relentless as the world's attacks on our boundaries are, so relentless must be your reminder of your identity that drives your mission. Don't forget your identity. Because if you do, your boundaries will become weak, and all kinds of illness and chaos and foreign things will creep in. Which brings me to a cell. I want to close talking about a cell. You are like a tiny cell in this great big human organism <laughs> that we're all a part of. And an organism needs healthy cells. The world needs you to be a healthy you. We need you to be healthy for us to be healthy. And When you're not healthy... It has huge ripple effects. Some of my closest friends have no idea how much their little decisions that are little in their minds have impacted me through the years, and I'll bet it's true with me as well and my friends, but I'll never really know. Cells are awesome, because like, did you know there's more organs in a human cell than there are organs in your body like we call them organelles there there are so many working parts to a cell they are so incredibly complicated but the thing about a cell is a cell is protected around the outside with this outer membrane we call a cell membrane and it's not that nothing can get into the cell it's that the cell is very selective about what it lets in to the inner parts of a cell and so like Certain things have to have certain security clearances to go inside. A virus may be able to come inside only if it sneaks in, but it lets in oxygen and glucose and all of those other things. But inside a cell... If you go even farther toward the middle of it, there's another sort of membrane that separates the inner part from the outer part. It's like the Holy of Holies on the inside. And if you go inside that, that's called the nucleolus. And if you go inside the nucleolus, there's another one called the nucleus. And if you get deep, deep down inside, all of that cell is there encasing and protecting that which is the most holy part of you Period. It is your identity, your DNA. Now, here's the amazing thing about DNA DNA is that thing that makes you uniquely you, and your entire body was created by the DNA in a single Cell. As long as you have your identity, everything else can grow out of that. Are you with me? So like if you'll protect your identity against all costs, everything else can grow out of that. Your entire body, all 75 trillion cells of you are an outgrowth of the identity that existed within the very first cell everything else has to nourish and protect that identity because if you have identity, then something real and organic can grow into something amazing. And if there's anything worth protecting, it's your identity. And here's the really amazing thing about your identity that you may not want to think about, but it's really true. Your, your DNA is literally... The binding of your mother's identity with your father's. Six feet worth of DNA in one cell. Three billion nucleotides. When fertilization happened, yes, your mom and your dad. Fertilization, you're welcome. Six feet worth of DNA literally unzipped itself down the middle of the ladder and half of it from your dad zipped itself together with half of it from your mom. And that is you. Don't run from you. You are made up of a story that was given to you from your biological parents and it is in every cell of your body. It's part of your story. And your story, no matter how scarred and ugly and filled with hurt, and no matter how much you want to avoid all of those things that you don't want to talk about, is also uniquely beautiful, and it's yours. So you know the Ten Commandments? The first four commandments in them were about how you relate to God. Like, don't don't have any other gods, keep God's Sabbath, no idols, and all that. And then the last five were about how you relate to other people. So don't kill them, don't steal. But but the fifth, number five was always debated. Honor your father and mother. It seems like it's, it's number five, it should go with how you relate. Is that how you relate to others or how you relate to God? Are your parents, in a way, like God to you? Is how you relate to them a direct reflection of how you relate to your own identity and that holy spark that is deep inside of your gut? Show me a person with healthy boundaries in all areas of their life, and I'll show you a person with healthy relationships with their parents. Show me a person with healthy boundaries, and I'll show you a person who knows where they came from and who isn't afraid to walk in that story. Show me a person who has healthy boundaries and knows where they came from, and I'll show you a person who walks confidently toward their purpose, even if they don't know everything that's going to happen. Show me a person who walks confidently toward their purpose, and I will show you a person who confidently sets and keeps boundaries. Every day. All right. Peoples, here it is. I'm going to shoot for number seven. And that's going to be one on addiction. If it sounds like I'm ending on a downer, I won't. But addiction is huge. And I realized at some point that I cannot end this without talking about addiction because it's such a part of of this whole conversation and so uh, I have some other things that are in the works but I'm not going to commit to any of those uh, here but uh, I'm going to try to do another series in the near future after the holidays and so uh, listen if you've enjoyed this or getting anything out of it hey let me know hit me up message me text me Uh, you could even if you don't know me leave me a review on iTunes and I'll check that out occasionally uh, because I do this for you. You. And in this world, weird world that uh, we live in, it really helps to know who you're talking to and whether they're getting anything out of it. Uh, so, listen, I'm really glad that you're listening. Um, I don't take it lightly that you give me this much of your valuable, like, seriously, your valuable headspace and attention uh, to me. So thanks so much for all of you that have been giving me comments and compliments and all of that stuff. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I've got one more coming down the pipes and that'll be next weekend. I'll put that out on Saturday. Love you all.